White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made him 100 years ago with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. All right, welcome back to another week of the Razball Prospect Podcast. I'm here live on Skype with my man Lance Brozdowski. <laughs> I was actually live in person with Lance oh, last man. Saturday. We were there with the uh, the great Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We were there with Bo Bichette, who's even better in person. I have to say that, that as impressed as I was by Vlad, Bo Bichette is really impressive. His bat speed is incredibly impressive. I'm, I'm so excited still from something that happened on Saturday, on Thursday, that I'm rushing into the podcast, already <laughs> talking about it. Lance, how's it going? We got a bunch of MILB well. stuff going on. I've been going out there tracking as many statistics as I've had, dug in a ton of games. I've watched a ton of baseball. My wife was out of town, so at one point I had three or four screens up, phones, computers, two TVs, watching all different games, all different levels. It was it was unbelievable. It was a uh, it was it's an heaven. orgasm of baseball experience. It was it was unbelievable. How's it going for you? Well, how was your week, man? It was great. It's I have to say, I think I've gone back almost every single day and like watched some of the video I took from the two games that I was at. We we obviously went to the game Saturday, but I was there Friday too, and I like I'm clipping up some stuff for the column I wanted to write. I loved your column that you put up and all the thoughts you had in there. I'm trying to basically replicate, do the same thing, give my thoughts. But I feel like I've gone back on my phone and like watched some of the videos, just like enjoying it again because it was a great time. Yeah. It's rare, man. It's rare that you get like those prospects on one field 
at the same time. Like we had Rogers, Bo, Vlad, like and and some of these like mid tier guys too. Like I was super impressed by Guriel. I was super impressed by Sam Hilliard, who I know I didn't like when we did the the Rockies list, yeah. but he stood out to me. There was even some like arms there that were like relatively interesting. Oh man, it was it was so much fun. It was. I'm already looking at the schedule, projecting some some more games out, trying to look at whose teams are good, but no team is nearly as good as this New Hampshire Fisher Cats team. This team is stacked, dude. Oh yeah, stacked. Oh, it was so oh, much it's, fun. It's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of fun teams to follow right now, but I would say that the Fisher Cats, fortunately for us, yes. based on where we live, happen to probably to be the best, and I they're so. uh, they're home again this week against Hartford, but it's the same exact matchup. Like if I was to go tomorrow night. It's the same pitching matchup really? that we saw. Yeah. <laughs> That's so really a, funny. My daughter, my, daughter, uh, my daughter came home today from having gone to see a play in New York and was like, Dad, you want to go to a baseball game? And I just checked the phone just to see, like, yeah. well, Who's I don't want to drive to Hartford, but I drive to Manchester. It's, like, maybe 15 minutes closer. And then Pawtucket is, you know, 40 minutes away from me, and it's a straight shot. So I was like, well, let me see if they're home. And they were in Toledo. So I was like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and nobody else was home. Nobody else had any games. So I wasn't able to uh, pull that off, but I'm thinking maybe tomorrow, maybe this weekend. We'll see. I don't know. I, like I could it. go see. Yeah. I, I could go see. I'm, I'm trying to think who was in Pawtucket this week. I think it's maybe they have a home and home with Toledo or maybe they're not home. I don't know. Okay. Eh. okay. You Either got, you, you, you got the, uh, the I'm jumping at games, Gwinnett, Gwinnett Braves, right? You're doing that next, in this next weekend, next weekend uh, yeah. right? As long as Ronald Acuna continues to struggle the way he struggled, <laughs> he's only had a couple of good games. I know you. You're one of the few hoping that he doesn't get called up very soon. Uh, I've heard some. I've heard some lag that he's not going to get called up this weekend. I think this pod gets published on Saturday, so I heard he's not going to get called up for the weekend. I heard that there's a chance he gets called up on that Monday when they go back home, but there's also the chance that they just push him off. And if they push him off, you will see him. But regardless, it looks like you're going to see Soroka, right? I will see Soroka. Soroka nice. is starting, I think, that Saturday game, which is the afternoon one, which is the one I want to go to. So Love it. Love yeah, it. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a lot of looks and a lot of good players. But it's just so fun. Like, I'm an hour down the road from all the home games of, you know, Guerrero and, oh, and Bo. Oh. And they were so much fun to watch, right? Oh, my I mean, God, yes. Just in terms of the energy that Guerrero has, you know, yep. the sort of. Uh, enthusiasm and like he just has like that fun thing going that his dad had and I think a lot of those you know great players that turn into superstars sort of have he has that going for him he's got the uh, he's really really loose like in terms yeah. of how he like you can even tell like I don't think he speaks fluent English but like just how he interacts with other players is just yeah. so lax it's yeah. I love it and man he was well, unbelievably impressive with the bat even though he didn't really do too much but Man. We were right on the side of the dugout, too. So yeah. like we, we got to actually see them interact in the dugout, like, you know, when, you know, the cameras weren't on them or we want sure. to say. But, um, yeah, same thing. Same thing with, like, Bichette. I couldn't believe how professional every at-bat he had. He had some ch- swings, too. And the thing I like about him is that he will be aggressive on a pitch he thinks he can hit. Oh, yeah. He's, and he unloads he's not scared to look count. stupid. He's not scared to look stupid, but he'll come back. The next play, file something off, take take a, a a you know a pitch, you know sort of on the black, and maybe get the call, and just a lot of a lot of those little things, and then the bat speed, like I mentioned in the opening, fantastic. his bat speed is yeah, fantastic is exactly the word. Mm-hmm. It is it is utterly impressive, almost as impressive as the meatballs wrapped in bacon that come from the barbecue <laughs> place that's in left field. I was I wondering where that was going. Balls. Oh my god. Oh my God, Lance! The, I didn't like, have one of those. I can't believe it. I had to. I had to fight the urge to go back for like, uh, like another like four. I got like two of them <laughs> with a pulled pork sandwich, and I was like, "All right, this is a lot of meat. Like, fine, you know, like whatever." 
And so I, I got two of them with a pulled pork sandwich. And I was like, I was like, damn, I made a bad choice getting this pulled pork sandwich. I should have just gotten like six of these balls. <laughs> I, I just yeah, now, balls, that's on my list to go back. And wrapped yeah. in bacon and like smoked. So like, yeah, they were like, oh, if you go to Hartford for a game and you're listening to this podcast, get some of those conch balls, conch balls, something like that. Go and get those. You, you'll see they're on there. I think they're available on Fridays and Saturdays or Saturdays and Sundays. They're not available there all the time. So if you go to weekend games, you'll definitely be able to get them and uh, tell them Ralph sent you and let them know that Ralph is sending the business so they can give Ralph some free balls. There you go. Yeah, you got you to gotta get the comp balls, you know. I hope somebody cuts that up and talks has like Ralph talking about balls. Yeah, balls. No context whatsoever. Mm. Uh, but you're talking about both bat, bat speed. And that was one of the things I think I was the most interested in seeing is because I, I knew about that kind of two strike adjustment he has where he kind of cuts out the entire leg kick. And you're talking about how yeah. he unloads on some pitches. He does that earlier in the counts and he has a, a big leg kick. It's a, it's a huge momentum build and he unloads when he wants to. And that's why I like, I think some of the grades you'll see on his game power are maybe a little variable just because no one really knows like what he's going to end up as swing wise. I think, because it seems like he's going to stick with this kind of two strike adjustment, you know? And, I, I kind of like it. I think initially I didn't just because from a developmental side, I was like, well, if he's trying to polish two swings, like how much is this going to drag him down overall? Like this is one of the, the concepts getting to the pitching side. It's similar theory, but like cutting out your, your windup, the, all the movement from your windup is going straight from the stretch. Like you see a lot of guys who just go from the stretch now. That's probably just a simplified to allow you to focus and get your mechanics down for one small mechanical task. And that's kind of what I was assuming with Bo. But what stood out to me in person when I saw him, and I, I, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this too, Ralph. But for me, I was super impressed with how well he, he replicated his upper body even though his lower body was like super high leg versus just the toe mm-hmm. tap. It was so similar mm-hmm. that it kind of started the more I saw it in like the eight, ba- eight at bats or so we saw him. Like I was just, I started to really think about the fact that his bat speed is good enough. I like, I actually like, I think this two strike adjustment now because he was able to make solid, solid contact. He could go gap to gap with that two strike adjustment. He's not going to hit probably many to any home runs with that adjustment where his foot's down super, super early, but his bat, the ball is so good. It's just like I just as a player, I'm just man. I'm I'm starting to really, really I think warm up to him. I think I had him a little low in my top 100, yeah. and um, if I if I could adjust, I'd probably bring him up a little bit just because I was the bat to ball is just unbelievable. It's one of the better bat to balls I've seen in the minor leagues in a while. But did you from the start, Ralph, like that two strike adjustment, um, or was that something that you really wanted to dig into, like like me? Yeah, no. Um, I always thought that it was indicative of. Um, a general advanced understanding of, of hitting and a game. And I think it sort of goes right in line with, you know, some of like the plan that he has, like, you know, there's an approach there. And I think that we use that a lot in a, in a, in a lot of ways, but I think in the purest sense that he has a good idea of what he wants to do when he goes to the plate. And I think Guerrero does too. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah there's a little bit more manipulation, I think, to get the results for Bichette, which isn't bad. It's not bad. I just don't think he has, like Guerrero has just this natural prodigious sort of ability that there aren't many players in the history of baseball, I think, that have a talent that he has, quite honestly. I agree. I agree. Where I think Bichette has immense talent, pedigree, um, you know, the genes, all that stuff to back him. But 
there's a lot of those little things that I think separate players. And we'll talk about that more tonight. I think we'll talk about it maybe when we talk about John, uh, Joey Lucchese when we get into yeah, the Padres yeah. a little bit later in this pod. I know I forgot to mention that we're going to go through the Padres. We are. Yeah, we're going to go through up a little. The, yeah, we're going to we're going to go through our Hartford, uh, our Hartford, uh, Manchester. I want to call it Manchester, New Hampshire, Hartford, New Hampshire experience, and then some of the newsmakers in yep. MILB. So I wanted to mention that. Plus, we're going to go into the Padres, but. Uh, you know, getting back to my general point is like, I think there's some things about Otani that I love that I think solidify some of those things. Like as a baseball player, he understands what the hell he's doing. And it's not just natural ability. That's the stuff that ticks up as people get bigger, stronger, more mature, yeah. moving to the major leagues, have access to better nutrition and everything. And now granted, he's, he's the son of a longtime major league star and his brother's been in, you know, the minor leagues for a long time. I don't think that Bo Bichette wasn't, you know, uh, I think he obviously was was uh, exposed to some things that other players weren't exposed to. So yeah, I'm not going to yeah. say that that's a big deal for him. But it's just the fact that he's so young and he understands to do this. Like, hey, I, you know, when I'm when I got two strikes, I'm going to change things up a little bit, you know, shorten up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he, like you said, mechanically he's able to make a tweak in his lower half and his swing plane and all that sort of stuff is still able to stay on par and do all those great things that he does. And it's just all the little things with him. Like you said, he gets, he can get aggressive early in the count, but he can work a count and he just sort of knows when to, you know, put his foot on the gas and take it off. And that's stuff that like some players don't learn that stuff until they're 26, 27 years old. And that's when they take off. He's got a baseline of that. It's just a matter He's of so him young too. growing into his body. They list him at six feet, 200 pounds. I'm six feet, about 195 pounds. There's zero chance that Pope <laughs> shed is six feet, 200 pounds. He's not bigger than I am. He's not taller than I am. And he's not larger than I am. So he's, he's a smaller guy. And he I is. think he's, you know, he's short. He's, he's got such a baby face too. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> he can he, but, but I think, you know, there's some mass that he can add and all that sort of stuff. Sure, He'll grow sure. into more power. Um, he's one of those guys, his hitting, his understanding of hitting in the strike and, and in the strike zone and pitch recognition skills. It's so advanced that there's no reason for me not to think that he can't be a superstar and really the sky's the limit in terms of the kind of player he wants to be. I see him as sort of a dynamic best leadoff hitter and baseball kind of guy high on base percentage doesn't hit for a ton of power, but enough power that you have to respect it. You know, in, in this day and age, I want to say 15 homers, but it might be more like 20. Um, when it's all said and done, decent steals, great batting average could contend for batting titles. I think he's that kind of hitter. I you know, agree. And I just, think that's, that's beautiful in terms I mean, of that, breaking him down. Yeah. That, that double that he roped down the line in, in left field was just like a great piece of hitting. Oh, it's beautiful. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I, I feel like there's no holes. Like you can, you can throw him stuff high in the zone, low in the zone, outside, inside, and he's able to get around on it and and put it where he wants, you know, or the best place he can put it. Because that's really what it's down to, right? Is it's not always that you're going to go the opposite field, you're going to pull a pitch. It's yeah. what does the where pitch you going need with the pitch to? Yeah. And he's got that understanding to do it. I I like it. I mean, I'm so sh- sold on Bichette that I feel like he's. I, I I'm ashamed he wasn't in my top ten. He's yeah. one of those guys. I got to look at him, and I was like, I had him outside the top twenty. <laughs> so I, I just don't know why I was that low on him to start. I was. I had a couple other weird ranks in my top one hundred, but I was yeah. just going off what I saw. But now, you know, obviously, you're getting more information, seeing these guys, etc. And 
yeah, I, I'm super impressed with him. I'm I was very impressed with Vlad too in terms of just his presence at the plate. His patience is just bar none. Like he doesn't get anything to hit. Like everyone's pitching him backwards. Like three of the starters or three of the pitchers that were in the game that faced Vlad for the first time, I think went curveball first first pitch, which is just like it's a minor league game and you you know he has this pedigree, so you're going curveball or you're going off speed early. And it, like he started every count one oh and it was just like from there he's working back. Like he took a couple really, really heavy hacks. I actually just tossed up on Twitter in a little tweet just because I was clipping out some video. And those swings were like, I, I like every time he, he unloaded, I just like widened my eyes because his bat speed is just dumb. And his play That's coverage crazy. his play coverage with the bat speed is just stupid. Like he's gonna at peak, he's gonna be like a a 14 walk 12K guy, I think. Like he can yeah. be that good and he can be hitting 300, he get hit 30 home runs. Like I'm just I just the potential with Vlad is unbelievable. I he's every bit as impressive as I thought he was going to be, and he didn't even hit that well. I think he was like one for in the two games I saw him. He was like one for seven. I think he was over three or four in the game we saw him. Or he had a couple walks, I think, whatever. But and then of course Sunday he hits his first home run to center field in a part that he, I consider like the vortex of Hartford because everything that goes up there. He never had a hits double. Out. He had a double in our game. Oh, he did. He did. I didn't even. He had that. a double on a, on a bouncer. Um, oh, down the line. Yeah, the, yeah. The ball he chopped down down the you third baseline. That just call. came inside the third, uh, inside the line, inside the bag. I remember And then that bounced out. into the corner over by the barbecue place that has delicious that has the meatball the balls, wrapped in bacon. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted the balls. <laughs> so, yeah, Vlad, he probably <laughs> did. He probably did. He was like, "Can I put second base where I I have to run to get the ball?" The thing that stands out with Vlad too, like. I was there with my dad and, and uh, who you met, and uh, yeah. when uh, when when we first saw him, I was like, "Oh my God, Vlad's lower half is if you compress my entire body into someone's lower half, it is like the largest legs I think I've ever seen, and it's just like massive lower body. Like he is built. It's just unbelievable. That's the first thing that stands out. And then that and Bo's baby face. They're funny. They're like a funny combination of players if you put them next to each other. But man, they're good. They were super impressive. Um, so enough swooning over them, I guess. We got to talk about the other guys. Um, it's funny. On our little note sheet here, <laughs> I go. it says, we're doing MILB in the Padres. We're recapping Hartford. And the first player I have is Jesus Tinoco. And I don't know why on when there's all these other prospects, I put Jesus Tinoco first. But we don't, I don't even want to talk about him. I like, I don't know. I just thought he was interesting because he had fastball slider. He and he, he yeah. touched like 95 a couple of times. But we don't have to stick on him. Yeah. Sam Hilliard, very briefly I want to talk about. I like what I saw from Sam Hilliard a lot. He stole four bags across the weekend, I think. And uh, one of them was a walking steal, so more like three. But uh, he's got legitimate speed power. And I don't I, – the thing is, like, all those Lancaster guys, it's tough to kind of figure out and separate, like, skill versus Lancaster. And I think for the most part, I started to even that back out with Hilliard, whereas before I had it much more skewed to Lancaster. I liked what I saw a lot from him. I think he's got decent speed, um, decent pop. He, he went the other way a little bit, which I liked. He's actually a little bit better versus lefties than I thought he was going to be too. He took a, I think he took a lefty the other way. That was his, his one of his gap doubles that I saw of him. And um, I was looking at his splits on Baseball Reference too, and it, it looks like he's actually relatively serviceable. I think his K to walk isn't good against lefties, but it's not like a inept, oh my God, we can't start him versus lefties. So I'd like to see him get some playing time against lefties. And then Brandon Rogers, Brendan, excuse me, Rogers, uh, Hartford, obviously, he's the, the stud there. I liked what I saw from him. I, I remember last year, I'm, I'm probably relatively lower on Brendan Rodgers than most people. I don't know if I'm turning that 100% around, but I liked a lot of what I saw from Rodgers this weekend. I know he was 0-4 in, in the game we saw, Ralph, but in the game I saw, I think he was 2-4, and he hit a home run. He A uh, couple pieces of hard contact, a couple line drives. 
I noticed very, very early. I know, I know bad ball doesn't stabilize very quick, but he's getting the ball in the air a little bit more. There's a little more, there's something there that I think I want to call as like a slight power uptick for him coming. And if that comes, then you start to not really worry too much about the walk side of things, which I know has always been a concern. So I'm going to keep a really close eye on Ben Rogers. Cause I think that he could shoot back up some lists if, um, if he starts looking as, as I project him out in terms of the power and, and what he can get to. And Harvard's not the most power uh, inflated stadium either. So if he gets a couple out, I think he's already got two home runs in the year. I'm keeping a really close eye. I want to keep a really close, a close eye on his fly ball, fly balls versus ground balls and line drives. Cause I think that he might've made an adjustment. I couldn't tell from mm. tape that I was watching side to side if there was anything there. Um, he alters the swing a little bit in terms of how hard he's swinging. He gets a ton of his, he, he transfers his rate really well. It's such a smooth swing. Yeah, uh, I, that's the thing I haven't mentioned. I don't know how I haven't mentioned it, but Man, his swing is gorgeous. It's one of the most uh, – I love watching his swing. Like, even if you don't like him as a prospect, there's no way you don't look at his swing and say it's one of the smoothest righty swings you've seen yeah. in a while. So can you, can you echo anything I said, Ralph? Anything else that's – Yeah, no, I think players? he hit a couple of deep shots. He hit a deep ball of center field. And as we know, yeah, it's, like yeah. Bermuda, it's like the Bermuda Triangle out there. He was out in front know, of that too, right? Traveled. The only thing I'm seeing still is I watched the game the other night and he had two or three strikeouts. Okay. Uh, he's still swinging and missing a lot. Yeah, like, he is. He is. You know, and he's and not walking. That's the problem. But I, I want to see him have a little bit more approach. And like, I love the fact that he's he's trying to tap into more power. But I also don't want him to be no approach, all power. Like I feel like there's, I, yeah. That's, the thing it, I worry about with Brendan Rodgers is that he's too, and this is bad because I don't like to draw these conclusions because I don't personally know Brendan Rodgers just just from things I've observed and I've heard about his time around Hartford. I, I worry that maybe he's a little bit too hot-headed, and he's not one to necessarily open himself up to advice and trying to change his approach. Um, mm, interesting. And I think, in, to a certain extent, that can be really good, uh, but it can also be to his detriment because he does need to work counts more. He needs to walk more, and, and I would I would like to see him just maybe shorten up once in a while and just stroke a single the other way, or you know, do some of those little things that I feel like so often it's all or nothing with him that like he's going to mash a double. He's going to mash a Homer, you know, and he'll go three for three in a game and he'll look like the best player you've ever seen, or he'll go over four trying to do that. Like every night, like it's just, I don't need the moments of greatness. I want a little bit more consistency with Rogers and that's what worries me. Now, ultimately if he ends up in Colorado, that might play because he's going to have a great hitting environment. He's going to have a really good lineup around him for a really long time especially now that they've locked down Blackman, and I, mm. I would imagine that Arenado probably will be next. You know, like, he's got an opportunity to be a great player, and I just worry that maybe some of that will opportunity will sort of fade just because he's not necessarily open to making the improvements that he needs to make. So, yeah, I like the swing. The swing is great. As a pure hitter, he's about as good of a pure hitter as there is in the minor leagues. I mean, I, I don't think he's Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's probably no. – the best, like as we said, he's so special. But outside of Guerrero, I mean, Rogers is you know just as exciting as a lot of these guys I've seen played against him. I've seen you know Devers play against him. I've seen Guerrero and Bichette. Yeah, I've I've been just as excited to watch Rogers. But it's just those other guys have just a a, a little bit more of an understanding, maybe a lot more of an understanding in some cases of just hitting than than Rogers does. And I don't think he just gets by on natural talent alone and um that's my one concern with rogers is i just don't know if he takes that next step because of the sort of stubbornness that he seems to project 
Interesting. You know? Yeah. I think I in, in defense of him, I'll go, I'll go. I think that it's often tough to adjust when you're like that natural and smooth of a hitter. Sure. Like when I look at his stance, like, you know, there's some guys like obviously we could both look at and, and go, oh man, he's got to shorten up here. Like that swing's way too long or just like things that stand out to everyone. You know, the general, the general swings, like you look at any of the young, 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 you know, uh, Spanish players like Cuban, uh, any Dominican Republic, you watch any of those super raw, like the MLB tape of those guys, like the first time, like Jalen Ortiz and some of those guys, like watch their first, first tape from back like two, three years ago, whenever they they, they debuted stateside and they're raw and you could go, oh my God, like that's got to cut down. His leg lift is just, it's all, it's just messed up. Like he's not transferring the weight well enough. He needs to cut it out. But like with Rodgers, you look at Rodgers and it's like, I have no idea how to adjust that swing because it's gorgeous, you know? But then you look at the stats and you can see he's Kane a little more right now. He's not walking as much. The average is a little low, but I think he's going into more power. And it's just like, what do you do? Like, it, it, he's probably all his life been told that swing is one of the most beautiful things ever, you know? And, like, this goes back to Mountcastle, too. Like, one of my knocks on Mountcastle was that they adjusted him out of this has beautiful swing. And it's a little funkier now, and I don't like it as much. But it's like, well, maybe that was necessary for him. Like, at what point do they look at Rodgers and go, well, maybe we should adjust him a little bit, even though it's super, super fluid, you know? The game's changing. Maybe he has to change. But I, I, that's just a little defense of him. I'm, I'm super interested to see all these guys, honestly, Ralph, and just how they're going and, I'm going to keep track of the Eastern League, I think, a ton this year just because of these guys. And mm. it's good because it's a pretty stacked league this year. Um, yeah. Do we want to get into some MILB recap? Um, just kind of we, what we're going to do here is just kick back sure. and forth five guys. So we each pick five guys who in this kind of first 10 days or so, I don't know how many days it's been. Five days? Only five? Ah, who knows? But regardless, we're going to dump into them and been talk a week. about. It's been, been a full a week. week. Been a full week. Wow. Wow. Been a full time week. flies. Time flies. But uh, yeah, so you got a couple. You got five. I got five. We're going to jump through them give our general thoughts, maybe do a little bit of back and forth, but uh, just try to, try to give you a recap of what's going on in the MLB that's standing out to us. So um, do you want to kick it off, Rob? Sure. And because I am uh, not one to follow the rules of just five players, I pick an entire team. <laughs> so the Memphis Redbirds, I have been watching a ton of Memphis Redbird games. And now part of it is my love and undying devotion to all things that are Tyler O'Neill and preaching the gospel of the king in the north. And that this guy is going to be a superstar in fantasy. And all he's done is hit 357. He's got a 357 on base percentage, but this guy does walk. I think it's just, he's so locked in right now that I'm not all that concerned about the walks. Uh, 857 um, slugging percentage. It's a, a 1214 OPS, four homers already. And this is in like six or seven games. Uh, a couple of doubles, 12 RBIs. He's pairing up with a couple other guys that have been outstanding in their outfield and in their middle of the order. One being uh, Jose Adalas Garcia, who is the younger brother of Adonis Garcia. I think he's considerably better. He's a, a favorite of Eric Loggenhagen when I had him on the Fantrax baseball show. Loggenhagen talked extensively about how much he liked uh, Adalas Garcia. And I tend to agree. I think he's got all-around ability. Um, he's slashing 364, 07, 680 with a homer, three doubles, I think a couple of triples and a steal. Uh, he's a really interesting player, really good defensively. He's got a cannon for an arm. Uh, and actually, it's the other thing I want to mention on Neil. Neil is a solid defensive player, another guy with a cannon for an arm. So they're really exciting to watch from that perspective. Then they have uh, Randy Arozarena, who's another Cuban player that had signed with them a few years back. And uh, he's more of a speed and contact guy, but he's been pretty good. 318, 464, 409 with three steals thus far. And then Max Schrock, who yeah. uh, is a player that, that came back to them uh, in Piscotti who was trade. 
the Piscotti trade. Okay, I was going to say Piscotti, they got him and Yario Nunez. Yep. And Shark is a guy that actually was initially drafted by the Nationals, was traded to uh, uh, to the Athletics. He was in the Athletics organization for a little bit. If you read Carson Castulli over on Fangraphs, he's talked about how he thinks uh, Max Schrock is a future MVP based on a couple of markers and things that he's seen. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> but he's a really interesting hit tool guy that's running a lot more this year. He's already got three steals. He's already hit a homer. Um, if he's one of these guys that he can get to about 15-15, he's like a 320 hitter. I mean, this guy is a legitimate hit tool guy. He's hitting 374-14-44 with a homer, as I mentioned, and three steals. He's really interesting to watch because if something happens to Colton Wong, Max Schrock is the next guy up, and I do think that he can hit enough to maybe get some of that elusive, uh, cliched, Devil's Cardinal magic, devil magic like baby. to say that, <laughs> but I don't think it is. I think it's the fact that they draft and develop some really talented players, and yeah. it's kind of a stupid, a stupid thing that people throw out there because sometimes these guys are a little bit older, and they find some guys off the scrap heap like a Jose Martinez. That uh, I funny I went back had to my a 20, tool, and they just make sure they use that went, tool. You know, I went back to my 2016 preview, which is my first set of previews that I did right when I got the prospector job back in the winter of 2016. Uh, you know, early yeah. 2016. And I wrote about Martinez when he was in the, the Royals, Royals organization, yeah, yeah. and I comped to Nelson Cruz as a late I stage saw that. breakout. I saw you tweet that I out. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a lot smarter than I think. But um, what I wanted to say is I think Max Schrock is a major leaguer. I think he's very underrated in dynasty leagues. Now is the time, if you're in a league that has 20 or so prospects, I could see stashing Schrock, man. Yeah, yeah. If he's not owned, and a lot of these leagues he's not because he's a little bit underrated because he doesn't have loud power or loud, loud speed. He might have enough of it going on, and he's going to hit enough that he might find some runs and some other things. And I, I honestly would, I would definitely add him. They also have Jack Flaherty. They yep. also have uh, Carson Kelly. Um, who they can have basically Oscar... start in the majors right now. I love Kelly. Yeah, yeah they have Oscar Mercado, who yeah. is more like their outfielder. Fourth, he was used their to fourth outfielder, outfielder yeah. speed guy. He's a Sagnoff, you know, almost like their their Jared Dyson type. They yeah. kind of filled him in there. He's really interesting. I love watching this team. They're a lot of fun. Dakota Hudson pitched for him today. I think you should go over oh, yesterday. You should go and check them out if you haven't. If you don't have an MILB, but you have the ML, MLB package or you're thinking about ordering it, you can get it for like 25 bucks. on top of that. Other guy I want to mention who's also on this Memphis Redbirds team is Ramon Urias, who is brother of Louis Urias, who we'll talk about a little bit later today during our Padres pod, uh, part of the podcast. And he's a really interesting player that's been sort of uh, – some some fan fiction that I think I sent your way yep, uh, yep. over uh, from uh, Vivos Los Bertos. Viva Albertos. El, Viva Albertos. I know that you Cardinal fans are, are into this one. And it's a great, <laughs> it's a great, great site. SB Nation site. And uh, they were sort of talking about some of the mechanical changes that he made in the Mexican League last year. He's been in the Mexican League for five years. He was in the Rangers organization the two years prior to that, just in the Dominican Summer League. And I think as, as players tend – it tends to happen sometimes with those sort of guys. If they're not really blowing it out and they want to open up some space in the academy, they kind of let those guys walk. And so he went to the Mexican League. He sort of toiled around for a few years, made a huge adjustment last year in terms of swing uh, launch angle and his and his swing and, and swing path and all that sort of thing. Turned into a lot more power. His numbers were great there in the Mexican League. I don't know a ton about how to adjust Mexican League stats to minor league stats and what level they compare to. I've heard things like, a ball. I've heard triple a, I've heard a whole varying degree in terms of the level of competition that's there. So either way he made a change. He's now back on a major league roster. I think the biggest, um, sign to me that there's something there is the fact that the Cardinals, he's only 23. He's not that old. 
Um, the fact that the Cardinals assigned him right out of camp to AAA, that says something. They didn't have him spend any time in A-ball, double-A, anything of like that. AAA, they think he's ready. He's hit at the bottom of the order. He's been getting on base a lot. Uh, had a couple hit, hits before, too. But he's kind of interesting to me. Like, I don't think he's necessarily a superstar, but another guy, middle infielder in that, that Cardinals organization. They're a little thin in the middle infield. But some things happen in that infield, another injury or two. And, you know, they're kind of teetering on thin ice with Carpenter at third. And I think Jose Martinez, unfortunately, at first base isn't great either, as we saw the other night uh, with that, yeah, that play with Lorenzo King. He's he's a little bit he's a little bit tough just in terms of his positioning. His leg got cracked by by Lorenzo. Kane. Yeah, that was a weird one. Bruises Achilles. Yes, I remember you you told me about that. Yeah. So um, it just kind of be interesting because he could find some playing time if they move De Jong around, and you know he may may end up seeing some time at shortstop. Like I said, there could be an injury to Wong as well. But why don't you go? Because we're going back and forth, and I, I just dropped you, like five yeah, guys. No, I want to ask you super quick two things, just quick answers here. So. Of these guys you mentioned, so you mentioned Tyler Neal, Raniel Rosarena, Max Schrock, Jose Adolis Garcia, Jack Flaherty, Carson Kelly, Ramon Arias. I'm going to give you two questions quick, okay? First one up in the major leagues, who is it? Backup, I guess you could say, because you're qualifying Flaherty and Jack Kelly. Flaherty. Jack, Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty thinks back? Okay, good. No, number, the second one that I think will be up in the major leagues? Yeah, sure. Because I think that's probably a Flaherty's little bit Because Flaherty's kind better. of assumed, actually. That's a good one. Yeah, as I think it's Schrock. Okay. I think Schrock, because I think, I think it's just – there's not much there. Like there's, there's stuff it's in the true. way of yeah, Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, yeah. I want Tyler O'Neill to get called up. And I think there's a good chance, but I don't want to jinx him and say he's, but they're the, giving he's the Bader guy. chances. Like it's tougher to get him in there. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's and there's other guys so like, Garcia, like I said, is a really talented outfielder too. So it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Okay. Next one. You know, highs long-term value. Who is it? Tyler O'Neill. Oh, there we go. I like it. I like it. I figured yep. you were going that way. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted I, to lead you into that. So <laughs> I think he's. A, I, like I think it. he's a thirty homer guy that can steal some bases early on, and I think he's going to put up some pretty phenomenal performances in terms of stat cast. And if the environment stays the same in the he's baseballs and everything bombs. else, I just think I just think O'Neill's going to mash, man. And I think he's going to get better as as he as he goes along because of that makeup and that work ethic that's so famous. Absolutely. No, good. I wanted to get those three things out of you. I'm going to go to my first guy's going to be Hunter Green, actually. So he pitched the other day. He went three innings, eight strikeouts, five hits, two earned. I don't believe he had any walks. This is what I wanted to see. This is what happens with a lot of these guys who get drafted. You know, 2017 draft guys, we get really short looks. We get super consolidated looks at them at the end in, you know, when they're mixing up a couple pitches or they're still trying to get their feet, you know, their end of the end of the season. Maybe they haven't pitched that much and they're, they're hitting like 120 innings, 100 innings or whatever. And, you know, we, we get a super small look and then we extrapolate out that look because it's all we have. You know, we're, it's all we're looking at in terms of stats. And we end of the year, we look and we go, ah, Hunter Green was drafted, you know, X overall and he didn't do too well. But this is what I wanted to see from Hunter Green. This is what I love. I love Hunter Green in terms of his athleticism, in terms of what he can do on the mound, what I think he could do, what I think his makeup is overall, what I think I see on his change of projection I, I'm a big fan. I know that the two big worries here are, one, the fastball's flat. Two, they don't know what the, the breaking ball development's going to be and end up as. But this proves to me, like he's in Dayton right now, three innings pitch, eight Ks. He's this young. This is what I want to see. I want to see him possibly jump up to high A midsummer, And then, fingers, fingers crossed, he either stays in high A, does really, really well, or he gets a look at double A at the end of this year. You're looking at a really, really young pitcher who's supremely talented, supremely athletic. I think he has one of the better fields for pitching in the game. I love his mechanics. I know that there's there's another worry around kind of whether there's some arm drag with him, but I know he has an extremely good 
arm care program. There's uh, when he was drafted, he was kind of a two way guy, obviously, and he was so athletic at short. One of the other concerns, I'm mentioning all the concerns here because I want to put these all on the table because I don't think that any of them is overly enough to knock him and drop him down on prospect lists. But one of the other concerns was people are concerned because he's so athletic, Lee met shortstop. Like they wanted to have him hit a little bit, but that hasn't really been discussed. He's a pure pitcher. I love this outing. I'm keeping a close eye on him. I really, really like looking at some of these draft guys early and seeing what they do with the offseason arrest. When they kick into their system, they're getting the full season ball look. This is really interesting to me and what Hunter Green does. I see change of projection. I see breaking ball projection. I'm in love with him overall. I think he's one of my he's one of my like deeper guys. Like it's easy to fall in love with him. Like he's a top 50 guy on everyone's list. But I know that there's such a terrible track record with some of these prep arms. I think that this might be one of the few exceptions. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Hunter Green. I was really happy to see this. So... Um, I'm hyped about him. I want to try to catch one of his starts just on video or something. I really hope there's some video that kicks around. I don't know how good Dayton is with video. I know that when I was doing, we were doing the Reds list. I think there was some Dayton tape. So I got to go back and watch some of that because mm-hmm. I, I enjoy, I enjoy Hunter Green a lot. So yeah, I think they get some games at MILB TV too. Nice. Good. I hope yeah. they, I hope they show one of his starts. I'm sure they will. They might have, I thought they showed that. Did they one, show this one? See, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a hypocrite here. I don't have the MILB package yet. I've been, I've been too tuned into M- MLB that like once everything around me settles down, I'll be able to kind of settle into MILB a little bit. But I've just well, been watching nice t- I'm following your background. tweets and following everything else. But They have early man. games. Sometimes you get like an 11 o'clock game. Oh, yeah, they have MILB. those weird like 10.35 starts every now and then. Like a Tuesday. I'll have it on like my like phone. So like that. That's oh, I love it. I love it. All right. I, you know, tonight I'm buying the MILB package, Ralph. Do it. You got to hold me to it. Who's your next All guy? Right. No, you, you go with your next guy. Oh, yeah, you actually spot. come up so too. You do two. Yeah. And then I'll go back, and I'll do mine, and then we'll go back and forth. Cool. No problem. That way you'll catch up. I like it. Second one for me is Danny Jansen, actually. So this is a Toronto Blue Jay catcher. Um, I don't really like Russell Martin. I don't like Luke Molly too much. So this kind of slots in beautifully. Um, Danny Jansen got a little bit of time at AAA last year. Right now he's off to a super hot start. He's got like a 1,600 OPS, which it's, again, super small sample, but I like to see these guys hit well early. He's already got a home run. He's got a couple doubles. He's slugging great. This is a supreme, it's a really compact approach from the right side, which you don't really see too, too much here. I like him overall. I think that he can eventually sneak in and get some playing time sooner than later, which I really like. Um, He's like a 370-ish OBP guy. Reminds me a little of like a, I I don't want to comp him to Devin Miserocco because that's a terrible comp because one, Miserocco's always hurt. Two, Miserocco has like 25 home run pop. But Danny Jansen to me is a guy who could stick at catcher who can have a fantastic OVP. I'd almost say like a, a better like Francisco Cervelli. But I know that's not too enticing for a lot of people, but the start that he's off to here, I want to see some tape of him and see if there's any swing adjustment here in terms of the pop because he, he, the home run and two doubles this early wasn't something he was doing much of last year. He was much more of a pure contact guy. And um, he's the future catcher. He's the catcher of the future, I think, for the Blue Jays. And he's a little bit overlooked behind some of the guys like Bo Vlad, um, Nate Pearson, some of these other guys. He's right in there in terms of that like top six in the system. Maybe there's not too much upside here on the fantasy side of things, but I don't think his price is too high in a lot of dynasty leagues. If you just want a backup catcher right now that I think can eventually become like a 100-game, 120-game catcher with a fantastic OBP, he kicks up a ton in points at least for me. Um, I'm a fan of Danny Jensen. I, 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 you know... One of the reasons I love a lot of guys from the left side is because they have compact power. I don't think Jansen has too much power, but he's compact. And that's, I guess, half the story. That's half the reason that I like him. So you don't see too much compact swings. And with this approach, with this kind of approach that's been proven over multiple levels, over multiple high levels against good competition, I'm a big fan of Danny Jansen. I think he's off to a really good start. So I'll pass it back he's, to you, Ralph. He's funny. With the adjustments that he made, with, it actually was with his contact lenses. That It, it was an oh, wow. eyesight thing. 
don't that, know. That, yeah, that's that's what he made his adjustment year over year is he realized at the end of 2016 that he had trouble seeing the ball. Hmm. And uh, he got an wow. eye test or a vision test or decided to upgrade his prescription, try different contacts, and that unlocked everything. And all of a sudden he went from like a, a middle-of-the-road minor yeah. league catcher um, to a guy that you know jumped, what, three levels last year? He's got you know, a and, really good approach too. And it's, it's like not, even yeah, and it's now it's beautiful. Yeah, and it's it was the same thing with like his framing got better, his catching got better, um, and that's what he wears those goggles now is actually what yeah. it is, mm-hmm. and that's what's been the, the big difference in his his offensive game is he's seeing the ball much better, and he talked about it actually being able to see spin. There's a FanGraphs article right from early last season. If you go back, it out. might be. I, I want to say I want to say it was either Eno or Dave Cameron um, okay. who had, who had interviewed him. And dug in a little bit deeper on it, but uh, it's a really interesting article. And if you if you take a look, I think you'll see that it's a, it's a vision thing, and that's ultimately unlocked. Now he has a ton of power versus left-handed pitchers. I don't know if you realized this last year, but he slugged well over 600 against lefties. Jeez, oh, lefty masters. So this is even better. This turns into I didn't even know this. I knew that there yeah, was and not too much power projection. 118, but... 118 plate appearances. He had six homers against lefties versus 306 plate appearances against right-handers where he had four homers. So he actually had more homers in a, a third of the at-bats. Love it, love it, love it. And he hit it. 354, 458, 660, uh, 636. So that is a 1094 OPS in 110, you know, uh, plate appearance sample size, which is relatively large. Um, he still hit 306, 383, 474 versus righties, but it's more like doubles power than homers. And he puts, yeah, he puts yeah. the ball with fence versus lefties, which is fine. You know yeah, what I mean? What he mean. doesn't Getting have to 15 home runs with this approach. Issues. It's like, Jesus Christ, that's so valuable. And he doesn't have any split issues. And if anything, he's a guy that you're actually going to get an uptick on when a tough lefty might be on the mound because yeah. of how well he sees, sees, you know, sees the ball, uh, and you know, sort of works counts and everything else. I think Jansen is a really interesting one, he's which tells who's your number three too. Okay, I'll go to number three. Colton Welker is my number three, actually. So this goes back to Lancaster. We're talking about Oof. Lancaster inflating some stats here. Colton Welker is off to a torrid start. He's 12 for 23, <laughs> 20 total bases with two home runs. I was like, oh, my God, when I saw that stat line. I remember talking about him on the Rockies pod. He's, you know, one of those raw prep high school bats who just always had that tapped power. Like, he always had that in the back of his mind, and you saw that in the scouting reports a ton. But, you know, everyone was kind of just like, you know, you fade a lot of these guys, as I did with Hilliard, honestly, where, you know, you look at the stats at, at varying levels in the Rocky system, and you're kind of like, eh, well, it's the Rocky system, like this and that. I don't want to put too much into it. But I know this is a super small sample, but, I mean, uh, if, if this kid moves quick – that means that the Rockies are super confident in him, number one. This is his first, I believe, couple at-bats in high A, too. I don't think he made it to high A last year. Like, if the if the Rockies are confident in this approach and the fact that maybe he's bringing the Ks down a little bit, I know there's a little bit high, always been an issue, but if he brings those down even slightly and he gets into, like, a 20 to 24K range with oh, – he could take 10% walks. Like, he's good. He's not, he has a decent approach overall. With his power – he becomes a very, very intriguing prospect. I want, I think one who could easily jump into some top 75, especially on the fantasy side of things, purely because of obviously cores, et cetera. And I know they have a ton of depth there with Ryan McMahon, even like Ian Desmond, some of these guys who end up playing the corners. And that's probably the ultimate end point for Welker. But this start for him is this jumped off the page to me when I was looking through some of the low ball stats. Like this is, this is huge. He's so young at in to be doing this at that level. It's just, if developmentally, I wonder what happened in the offseason here, but he's got his big leg kick too. 
Um, I, I like him overall. I think that oh. this is like a, a nice power bat that probably isn't on a lot of people's radars. Well, I mean, I've had him top 100, I think, in my last oh, three yeah. lists. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's going to become a more I've popular kind of I've had Welker within like the top, the top 70 on, on nice, lists. Nice, nice. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. And I haven't fluctuated much in the last three. I like Welker a lot. I think that this kid is incredibly talented just from mm-hmm. a hit, hitting perspective, hit tool plus power. I, I would put sixes on each. I would actually say he might have a little bit more advanced approach at this age than Rodgers had. I don't know if he necessarily has the ceiling Rodgers has. He's also not a middle infielder. He's yes, not as athletic yeah. as Rodgers. He's probably going to end up a first baseman. Um, but the raw hitting ability, the understanding of the strike zone, I mean, he's walking a ton of Lancaster, too. He's killing the ball. He's doing what, what yeah. Rodgers was. But he's, but he's had games where, like, he was two for two the other night with, I think, a couple of doubles or a homer and a double maybe mm-hmm. um, and a couple of walks and a ton of runs scored. He's driving in runs. You know, I think this guy is sort of that next. Yeah, elite he's going to jump up, I think. I think he's going to jump up yeah. on a ton of lists. And I don't know how many people are going to bog him down because of Lancaster. I think, I think the floor is actually higher than Rodgers is. Just from, That's if interesting. You look, if you look at the kind of prospect that they are, that I think, to me, I don't ever doubt that Colton Welker is going to be an everyday major leaguer. That's interesting. I know See, he's I think super that, young. I think I, I, I probably young and everything, but he's hit at every level. He's lived with the expectations. He did have some pedigree. I mean, it wasn't like he was a super late-round draft guy or anything like that. I mean, he was a prep prospect. Um, I think Welker's legit, and and I think because he's in Lancaster this year, and he's probably going to see at least three months there before getting the call yeah. to Hartford. I want to There's see a chance that he can have some of the best statistical numbers in the minor leagues this oh, year. Absolutely. And that's going to pop him up on a ton of lists. He's going to be a darling of Katoa or whatever the hell your <laughs> statistical system fan graphs is running out there. And they can give me what, you know, whatever number they got from over on baseball prospectus. You know, they try to quantify minor league stats. I think that Welker's going to be a guy that the numbers love. I agree. I think that there's legitimate there pop here. You don't have a lot of guys as young with this kind of pop. Um, back to you for no. number three on your list, Ralph. Number three on my list, I'll make it quick. It's uh, Shane Bieber. I don't know if you're a believer Biebs. or not. Biebs. <laughs> Biebs, the better Biebs. The better, better Biebs. Biebs. I like it. It? Yeah, I don't know. I was going to try to make a Bieber joke, but I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, nah, we're not uh, that hip, Ralph. <laughs> anyway, um, this guy might be the best control pitcher in the minors right now. It looks like he's actually improved. Last year, he had 10 walks in 173 innings. 10 walks in 173 innings across three levels. It looks like the, the control is even better. So far, 13 innings, no runs thus far. Allowed six hits, no walks, of course. Adding 17 Ks, he's missing bats at a higher rate. 22 years old in double-A, so he's not he's not overly you know old for the level. Um, I think he was a Cal Fullerton guy. His, uh, his fastball ticked up a little bit over the last couple of years. Sits 92-94 now. Has above average curveball, a slider, and a changeup. I've had heard reports of the changeup a little bit better. I like these guys that have a ton of control and command and two breaking balls with a changeup as well. Um, especially with that slider is something he sort of uses against certain batters versus the changeup. If he doesn't feel the changeup will be as effective against a certain type of a hitter, depending upon you know where his heat zones are and stuff like that. It seems like he's the kind of pitcher that understands that and can use that and manipulate his arsenal to get the most out of it. So far, he's doing that. I expect him pretty short in double-A. I assume we're going to see him uh, up in Columbus, I think, at the triple-A affiliate uh, of Cleveland pretty soon. And it wouldn't shock me if he pushes up to the majors 
and pushes for that role that, that Tomlin has right now, especially if Salazar isn't healthy. I think that this is the next guy that's going to get produced uh, arm-wise out of this Cleveland system. I think all systems go. You should go and grab him right now if you're looking for a starter that's short. Even in 12-team leagues, uh, Dynasty I'm talking about, you know, 100 to 120 prospects owned. I think Bieber should be in there. I feel kind of bad I didn't put him in my top 150 because I think he's pushing toward that. Um, especially if he's missing bats as much as he is this year. Now, I think that will tick down a little bit, but this guy's a good major league starter. And and the control is kind of like the hit tool that, you know, if the swings and misses can come as he sort of grows and, and understands, you know, his pitches gets better feel for his, you know, his off-speed stuff and, and his two breaking balls. Yeah, I mean. With this control, be, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but his control is so good. It's absurd. His Fangraphs page is like, yeah, I'm mesmerizing to look at. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's not like he gets hit hard. He doesn't give up a lot of hard contact either. So I, I really do think that this is just another example of Cleveland producing a pitcher that we all sort of slept on that turned out to be pretty damn good. Wouldn't doubt it at all. Give, give me another one here, Ralph. Sure. So I put my phone down for a second. I have my list in front of me. My number four was uh, Jordan Alvarez. I just I love Jordan Alvarez. They gave him a really aggressive assignment for a 20-year-old. He's in double A right now. And he's hitting uh, 367, 435, 526. You got a homer, five RBIs. Um, I'm really excited for Jordan Alvarez. I'm glad to see him. You know, Corpus Christi, double A. That's aggressive. That speaks highly of them not being too concerned about his struggles last year uh, in the lefty heavy uh, Carolina League. And uh, they felt he did some growing in the offseason. And so far, he's uh, repaying them with some good results. So why don't you give me your number yeah. four? Nine number four is Mitch Keller. Uh, going back to kind of what I like looking at with pitchers in terms of what Hunter Green did, I really like confirmation of elite top talent pitching like elite top talent, and that is exactly what Mitch Keller did in Double A. Um, there was uh, some buzz. I don't know if he was going to start in Indianapolis Triple A for the Pirates, but I'm fine with him starting Altoona because I think there's a very small chance that he, when Altoona swings around in I believe mid June out here in Hartford, maybe there's a very small chance we see him. So I'm I'm holding out hope for that very much so because I Mitch Keller's one of my guys. I like him a lot. Six innings pitched, two hits, two walks, eight K's. Everything there. That's this is what you want to see from him. This is what you want to see from a top tier talent. He's going out there, he's throwing six innings, he's K eight. The walks are fine. He's got good control. He's a plus control guy. You know, the biggest thing is just wondering, you want to keep an eye on that changeup and understanding what the projectability of that is. Because that's the pitch. If he puts that together with his control and with he, what the swing and miss he could get on his breaking ball, it's you're looking at, again, a guy who is right under like that Forrest Whitley tier. You know, when you get just past, I think, Kopech and, and Whitley and Gore, and maybe he's even kind of close to Gore just because Gore's a little bit younger and Keller's a little bit more advanced. But, but you know, Whitley, Whitley Kopech, Reyes, I think, are kind of like that top tier, Alex Reyes, of, of starting pitching prospects that uh, it's tougher to kind of associate guys with. But then you have a lot of guys in that second tier, Sixto Sanchez, Mitch Keller, I think, is right in this tier. And I think that Mitch Keller, sooner than later, can make an impact in the major league level. And I'm a big fan of him. This was just good. I like confirmation like this. And then I'll jump to my fifth guy here, Ralph. Griffin Canning, actually. This is a little bit more of an interesting one. But uh, mm. he didn't pitch last year, obviously, in, in professional ball. Um, yeah. And this was his first look. And he's made two starts, went four innings in each. The strikeouts are there. He, he reminds me of like a version of Chance Adams, actually, where the scouting report on Chance Adams is just always – you don't really know how he's getting guys out and how he's doing so well, but he's getting guys out and he's striking guys out and he's got good command. He's kind of like a gamer. This is exactly what Griffin Canning is. He's a UCLA guy, really compact everything. The changeup is fantastic. I think people are still trying to tinker with his curveballs or breaking balls and exactly where those go. But 
The projectability in his changeup is beautiful. Interesting arm slot, good arm, sp- arm speed. He went four and two-thirds, six Ks a walk in his first start, and then his second start, he went four innings, six Ks, two walks, and a hit. He's duplicating. This is what you want to see. He's going to move really quick through the system, too. I think he's got a little bit more upside than a guy like... I know we did the Angels list a bit ago. Jamie Barria, I, I'm not. I'm interested to see kind of where pitched he pitched well last night he in did. his debut. Yeah, he did. He did. I, I'm interested to kind of see where Kenny ends up in terms of mm-hmm. in uh, comparison to guys like Jamie Barria. And I don't yeah. know where the upside is here, but again, I'm looking at another guy who we didn't really get to see too much of last year that we that we got to look at early, and he looks pretty good. So I think he's going to yeah. fly through the Angels system. Changes changes speeds well, changes Very eye well. levels. Yeah. He's um, super deceptive. You know, yeah. Throw strikes. I've I've always liked Canning. I thought he was a little bit underrated coming out of the draft too. I was shocked that he dropped he dropped into the second round because I thought there were some tight. arms. Yeah, I thought there were some arms that went ahead of him that were. And I know was some some of the stuff were were messy medicals and stuff, but eh, we see that with so many of these guys, and then it turns out to be nothing. Now you know I'm I'm not going to tell that to uh, you know whoever it was that took a look at. Uh, oh man, I'm drawing a blank around Brady Aiken's elbow. But oh Brady, that's a totally Jesus. different story. <laughs> Hey, so I'm going to throw out my number five, yeah, and of course I want to throw out a number six. And Jemai Jones playing second base every day. I think it's kind of interesting. So been checking that out. That's worth uh, that's worth monitoring a little bit. I think he's in Double A, if I'm not mistaken. Hope I'm not pulling it one out of my butt. He's, I didn't think it was Inland Empire. I didn't think he was at Inland Empire, which is their high A affiliate. And Nick Kingman. Nick Kingman has been awesome since we talked about him in that. I Pirates know. Yeah. Ball. He's had two <laughs> two starts over a K in inning. Uh, thereabouts, and uh, I don't think he's given up any runs yet. A lot of control. He's a great, and that's in AAA. He's got some health, and it wouldn't shock me if he maybe shoehorns his way into some starts in Pittsburgh. So Nick Kingman is a guy to keep on your radar, especially for maybe deeper head-to-head leagues um, or points leagues where you know you're looking for starters that uh, pitch in good environments in the National League. I think he might be a guy that uh, is worth your time and taking a look at. Lance. You know what else is worth your time and taking a look at? I'm going to guess Rotoware. Rotoware.com. And at Rotoware on Twitter, at Kenneth underscore Cashman, that's the creator. He is the creative mind behind all the great designs that you get with the Rotoware t-shirts. He's the one that came up with the 80 grade uh, t-shirt with all the the little check marks on it. I was wearing that one this morning. He's got the ALNL only one that I was rocking yesterday. The day before that, I had on my prospect stasher. The day before that, I had on my Crab Army shirt. He's coming out with uh, exclusive T-shirts that are actually from all different podcasts. I know he actually did a Sleeper on the Bus shirt for Justin and Paul and those guys. Maybe he'll be doing a shirt for us as well. Um, so there's so much stuff if you go on to RotoWare and you take a look. He's probably got 20-plus shirts now, varying a couple of sports, but heavily into baseball. Speaks directly to the Sabermetrics uh, folks and the prospect folks with his prospect and 80-grade shirt, but he's also got the advanced stat shirt, which I like a lot. Fly the Quality Start, which you know is a personal favorite of Lance. He's got that one. I oh, saw yeah. his shots on Twitter putting those out. If you like what I'm saying and you want to check it out and you haven't before, because, I don't know, apparently you skip over our advertisement for RotoWare on every podcast I'm on. What's the same thing? You can go on there, you can order t-shirts, and then you can use promo code SAGNOF, S-A-G-N-O-F, to get 20% off your order. Pretty damn good. Kenny likes to hook the people up. Lance, do you have anything you want to add on our friend and sponsor RotoWare? I can't. You you covered it all. That's it. The quality of the shirts is the thing I want to point out. The shirts are fit beautifully. I have to say that's like the main thing that every time I get one, I'm always stoked to try it on because it's a beautiful fit. The quality is unbelievable. Kenny does an unbelievable job. Check out rotoware.com. Sagnoff is the promo code. 
as always. Um, update on Jemai Jones. He actually is in Inland Empire. He's in high A. So uh, not double A. He is. Yeah, I just checked the fan graphs. Oh, there you go. So, he uh, is in Inland Empire. So there yeah. you go. I was sticking to my head. No, no worries. Yeah. Padres, do we want to jump to the Padres? This is, yeah, it's going to go a little long in this pod, but I think we could run through this list because everyone knows about Fernando Tatis. Everyone knows about Mackenzie Gore. So I, I don't know. Do we want to just bucket them together? Like, Tatis is unbelievable. I saw him out in, in Fort Wayne, actually, with the Tin Caps last year. Um, so I got a first-hand look Ooh. at him. He's every bit as, as impressive in person, I would say, as Bo and Vlad were. I think that those I – mean, I've, I've been super lucky to see these three guys, Bo, Vlad, and, and Tatis in the last year. And the thing that impressed me the most about Tatis when I saw him is that he was way too advanced for the level that he was at. He uh, he, he basically walked uh, – I think he walked two times in the game I saw. It was a super high-scoring game. And then his third time he got up, he got to like a 2-1 count and then just like was looking one spot and just absolutely smoked a ball like right center, dead off the wall. Just like quick bat. It was like one of the first swings he took of the game, and it was just like he wanted that pitch. He wanted a fastball out of third and just – hammered it and i was just like i that's exactly what you look for in a guy like this i know there's a little bit of concern around the k side with tatis they're a little high right now but i'm not too worried i think the pure skills overall unbelievable with tatis um he's a top 10 prospect i think i have him three or four he should be top five for most people i'm buying into him absolutely i think he's a generational kind of guy and can legitimately turn the fate of this padres team down the road big big Mm. big fan of him and on the gore the thing that stands out to me is just how unbelievably athletic this kid is. Like, I talk about Hunter Green being athletic. Mackenzie Gore is more athletic than Hunter Green, if you can imagine it. Um, the thing I want everyone to do, actually, is jump to YouTube, catch any video of him, side, back, front, however. Pause him just as he's about after front foot plant and look at his back leg and look at how close his knee is to the ground. His extension is just bonkers. It is unbelievable how athletic this kid is. His hip separation, everything he does with his upper body is just beautiful take some stress off the arm with how active his lower half is the one concern around gore if there is is any concern is wondering if this athleticism stays as he gets older and if he matures into his body a little bit more because i think there's some room to put on some weight where exactly everything goes mechanically with him but i just i I have faith in him to correct it because i just don't think that there's many pitchers in baseball who we've seen in the past couple years who are this gifted honestly in terms of what he can do and he, i think he pitched the other day too i remember you were following that start ralph i think he pitched yeah. okay i think he only went three innings give him a couple hits a couple runs i think he walked a couple but he also k a couple i think he k'd like four or five over three so that's i think what you want to see he was he was excellent through the first two innings um mm-hmm. gave up maybe a hit or two and then in the third he got a little bit unlucky in terms of some balls dropping and then gave up a couple of hard hit balls after that and things sort of spiraled and he gave up maybe three or four runs but it was a rough inning and uh, I wouldn't sweat it too much from a kid that was that young, um, you know, that early in his career. I had him 28 in my top 100. I had Tatis top five. Yep. You know, I uh, Chris Cusiolik, who I've spoke with extensively, you know, I've been following for a few years. I've been beating the drum for everybody to follow Chris. Yeah, he's uh, a actually got hired by, yeah. hired by the Padres organization. Awesome. Word came out while, while we were at the Hartford game. That's when he actually had announced it on Twitter. So that's unbelievable. I spoke with him for about two hours in the offseason about the Padres, and he's one of the guys that sort of has uh, fueled my love for this organization and my love for this team and the direction that they're going and really the blueprint that I feel A.J. Prowler has put together, who by far is my favorite executive in baseball at the moment. Um, and a lot of it is going to be how in love I am with his J2 class from 2016. 
And we'll go into that a little bit. Absolutely. But T's phenomenal. It's unbelievable to think that they got this guy straight up for James Shields. Oh, bravo. God, bravo. <laughs> bravo. This oh, guy it was described as A-Rod. A-Rod. Yeah, that's that's, how, that's yeah. how Chris Pusiolik described him. And that's a guy that's watched Fernando Tatis now with two organizations in the backfield because he saw him with the White yeah, Sox before that because they're in Arizona where he's where he's based out of. So a lot of guys knew how good Tatis is. He's unbelievable. Maybe he moves off a shortstop. I wouldn't worry about it. Power, speed, on-base ability. The on-base stuff really ticked up last year halfway through the season as he started to impress and mature. It's crazy to think as young as we think Mackenzie Gore is, he's only a month younger. Yeah, this system is so young. Oh, So... I think we agree on the top four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Michelle Baez. Yep. And we've talked about extensively about Michelle Baez, how much we love that 70 grade fastball, the downward plane. Huge guy. It's just a He's matter big. of him. He's 6'8. It's just a matter of him maintaining the downward plane and not letting that fastball get a little bit straight later in starts. Really, really good off speed stuff. I love his changeup. He's got a good slider and a good curveball mm-hmm. as well. Another guy in this in this system that has um, two breaking balls to go along with a really good changeup. And once, like I said before, I like when guys have that varying um, ability to maybe show a different look to, um, you know, a same side matchup or an opposite side batter if their changeup isn't necessarily effective against that particular type of hitter. So I like that. He's hurt right now, but I just think the ability is is so through the roof. I'm thinking he could have an explosive year and really take a step forward if things go go the right way. And then my number four is Louis Urias. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add on Urias whatsoever. I know we talked about his brother Ramon earlier in the podcast. Our top fours are the same. That's where we deviate. Yeah. But anything you want to add on Urias? I know hit tool guy through and through, right? I yeah, mean, he might absolutely be hit tool guy. It's- hit tool guy. It's it's insane. Yeah, this is one of the better hit tools in the minor leagues. Um, yeah. I think his walks are actually up a little this year, too. Or, uh, no, actually, yeah, I think his walks are up and his Ks are down or something like that. I, I don't know. He's he's hit unbelievable. He's off to another hot start. But uh, this is a really, really good hit, hit, excuse me, hit tool. This is one of the better hit tools in the minor league. <laughs> Stuttering there, Ralph. I got to stutter all of a sudden. Good, man. <laughs> but uh, it's up there with, I mean, like, they tagged Vladdy's hit tool as 80. This is like probably borderline 70. Like I think I put it right. Yeah, like right in that window. This kid is unbelievable. Um, I think he's basically can play in the major leagues right now in terms of like, you know, when you look at grades, you look at like present and then future. And, you know, for him, a lot of those are starting to combine because I think he's relatively ready in terms of how much more development he has to do. I don't know how much power is here. I think his plane's a little flat, but... I don't think that you really need him for power. That's not what you. That's not what you have him for. You know, you, he like, added some loft. This, this he did year. really interesting. Yeah, he added some loft, and he's he's already hit a homer, and he had a double. He had a homer and a double oh, in the game yesterday. Keep he's been driving that. the ball a lot more. He was doing that in the preseason. He was doing it in Arizona, which is where he first started to make some of those changes. So he's a guy that can manipulate his bat head so well through the zone that his control of of the barrel is so oh, good. It's beautiful, yeah. That like I, to me, I'm like this guy can turn into a 20 homer hitter. You know. I, I think um, peak, he's bad. This guy, exactly place a bet on even against Bichette, who's going to win the most batting titles in the minors team. right now. It's I would put three to one odds on Louis Urias and Bichette would maybe be four to one. So yeah, I that's agree how, with you. How, how highly I think Urias it's crazy. I was looking back at um, my scouting Bible from baseball America from two or three seasons back. And this kid was like the 29th ranked prospect. And now he's like four or five in an unbelievably stacked system. So I love him, and I just think that he's going to be a really interesting player, and he's probably – you could make a case for the best second-base prospect in baseball just because of how shallow second base really is outside of the top handful of players, you know. And, and there's so many guys like Bichette 
who may end up a second baseman who's a shortstop right now. So I love Urias, though he does play some shortstop too. But I think he's I think he's going to be a gold, gold glove second baseman. This kid's going to be awesome. Absolutely. Why don't you tell me about your number five? Because I got into a little bit of a I don't want to say it was a tiff because I don't like to think it's a tiff as much as it's just a sharing of opinions. And uh, I, prospects all about the you're higher. You're higher on this guy than I am. And so, I love yeah, I this because I like to think that you're a little bit more in tune with the analytical community as I am. As, as I've mentioned before, I'm not sure if I'm Thomas Paine of prospects or the <laughs> Alex Jones of prospects. I am a voice in the wilderness, whether I am crazy con- quackpot conspiracy theorist or brilliant mind of liberty that remains to be determined. But uh, either way, I really like Joey Lucchese. I think this kid has three above average pitches, particularly fastball uh, changeup, which so far in his three-start major league career has been heavily his usage. I think his curveball is underrated. I think he should throw it a little bit more. It's always been pretty good to me. He's got control of these guys. He can throw all three of them for strikes. He's got command. He's got deception. He's got athleticism. The uh, velocity isn't huge, but it sits 90-94. The changeup to me is a plus pitch. I, I... He's had results. He's moved through the minors. We've seen him now take on a task of going to Colorado and pitch well. What am I missing here? Why doesn't the industry like him? Is it because he's not a scout darling? He doesn't have the perfect mechanical profile, and he's just difficult to understand? Like I, I sometimes think it's like what, we, what happened with so many people that were closed-minded about Shohei Otani that – just because you haven't seen a unicorn doesn't mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, so I got to say, I think my philosophy around prospect rankings often can sometimes be weird just because when I see a guy who has time at the major league level and has succeeded at the major league level, even if it's a really small sample like this, I tend to kick that up a little bit because at the end of the day, when you look at a prospect, the goal of the prospect is to get him to the major league level and have him succeed. And there's a lot of guys on this Padres list that are young that are in the lower minors that, I mean, if you tell me three or four of these guys don't touch the major leagues in their career, I wouldn't be stunned. And it's, it's just a matter of the prospect circle. It's, it's a vicious circle, and it happens. And the fact that Lucchese is at the major league level for me and has success is the reason I have him five. I think this might be a little bit of recency bias. I'll admit that. I think it is. But I also think that the, the difference between, like, Lucchese and eight or nine for me is, is small. Like, I think that there's a tier of four here that we're talking about, and then there's a cutoff, and then you could pretty much debate five through 12-ish. I think there's a lot of variation in terms of who you like. But this system is just unbelievably deep because of that. And I think I kick up Lucchese here just because of what I've seen, the control, the repeatability of his mechanics, even though they are funky. I don't think there's any elevated injury risk with him. That pitch is weird. Is really, really weird. It's like a, they, I, I know people term it as a curve, like a change up curve, but that just kind of confuses me. Like, I, I just, I don't it's really, it's a knuckle change. It's like a knuckle change thing. Like, it's yeah. got movement in some funky directions. It's a really good pitch. It's really deceptive. But, uh, um, I know that the, depending on whatever site you go to, it's saying that he throws a change up, then the other one's saying he throws a curve. I, he throws two. I know, throws, but it's yeah, weird. He throws but, both. But Fangraphs has it just as a change up, and Brooks Baseball has it just as a curve. So it's I like, don't know. They're categorizing the same pitch as two things, even though it is two different similar, pitches. But because they're similar in terms of velocity, they, are, and I, yeah. they probably bleed together a little bit for the untrained eye. And like, that's the thing. Like when I was debating with some of these guys, and some of them were, I mean, we're talking about like Jeff Zimmerman, Mike Gianella got into it, George Bissell, um, Brad Johnson, 
Um, uh, 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 not not Brett Hershey. I'm I'm totally I'm drawing sure a blank. Let's get into it. I, I did see those oh, names. But... Uh, uh, Chris Blessing from Baseball HQ. So we're talking about like good prospectors here, you know? Yeah. Um, but I took an issue that 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 George had said that there wasn't anything in any of his scouting reports that said this would that he would be successful, and I was like, that's not true. And I and I screenshotted a Baseball America report that was very high on him. And went into into great detail, not only on his repertoire, pitches, deception, athleticism, um, command and control, but also went into little things like he has the best pickoff move in the minors, is what the guy said. He has the best pickoff move in the minors. That matters. Go ask John Lester and Noah Syndergaard if they wish they had a good pickoff move (laughs) to go with everything else. If you don't have the prototypical type of stuff, sometimes, once again, it's those little things that separate ball players from great prospects. And I think that Lucchese has not the sound cliche, like a Murray Chass, but he has a ball player element to him and that works. You need that to be successful. You need gamesmanship. You need be, to be able to do all the little things. I love this dude. I, I think it's great that you were aggressive and had him five. I don't, I have him 13. I know. It I don't know why. Nothing, I think this is an overrank, Mikey, it but nothing, it's really it, just no, about, he's here. Dude, like, that's why. Everybody that's after him is, I think, under the age of 20 until you get to Cal Quantrill at nine. And I just think that Quantrill is just, might have a higher upside. I think Quantrill, I, that's you the know, thing, sure. if he I maxes that, out, he could be uh, yeah. a front oh, line and like a great number two starter. So, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that there's. The guys like guys like Espinosa here, so we could jump down. I'll, I'll go through my five through ten quick, and then you shoot your five through ten. My five through ten is Lucchese, Quantrill, Morejon, Espinosa, Gabriel Arias, and, J- and Josh Naylor. So I have these three, four pitchers wrapped right here, and I, they're interchangeable for me. Like if you want to go Espinosa five, I'm completely fine with it. If you want to go Quantrill five, if you want to go Lucchese eight, I'm fine with it. I think that they're comparable. They all have pluses on them. They all have knocks on them. I think that Lucchese's upside is limited. I don't think that he ends up being, like, a potential two or a one. But I think it's, like, a 4-3, like a 3-4. Like, if you tell me right now there's some guys in the minor leagues that are, like, back in the top 100 that end up as a number four starter or a number three starter, you could guarantee that, you'd be stoked. Like, I think that people just, like, always are looking for the ace, but, like, the fact that Lucchese's here, he's pitching well, he pitched really well in his couple starts. Sure, there might be a report that ticks up on him and people start to understand how he's sequencing pitches a little bit better, but then he has to adjust back. And I like the fact that he's, built a base on command this is the thing he's built a base on command and he's getting strikeouts and if anyone adjusts back to him he's still gonna be able to have that command and i'm i'm just really interested in what i saw from him i i gotta say i actually i shot out a rasball post a bit ago counting him as one of my deep 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 sleepers he was going in redraft leagues around like 650 overall mm-hmm. and i saw him in spring and i liked what i saw from his curveball i like what i saw from that funky changeup and stuff and I was just like, hey, listen, like, I know Lamette has some problems. Like, if they bring this kid up, he could be interesting. And then the funniest thing is I reacted to that post after his first start, and I actually thought they were going to send him back down. And then that post published, and then the next day they're like, no, he's making his next start. And next thing you know, now he's starting to tick up on a ton of waivers and stuff. So I guess I was right, and then I was wrong, and now I'm high on him. I don't know what's going on. I guess I like Lucchese more than others. Um, kill me for it. Whatever. Quantrill, unbelievable changeup. I've seen it tagged as 70. Um... Everything else is kind of a larger question mark with him. I have him six here. I think that he's one of the more intriguing ones here. I think he has more upside than Lucchese. I think there's a little bit more risk here. I think he's much more volatile from start to start than Lucchese will ever be. But the changeup is just bonkers. I love his changeup so much. Like, this is one of the better changeups in the minor leagues. I think a lot of people overlook it. Um, he went six innings pitch in his first start, Kate seven. 
Um, but his second start, I think he went only like three and a third, and then he had a ton of walks. And that's what goes back to the volatility in terms of I'd like to see that settle down a little bit more than it has for, for Quantrill. I think that's a relative knock on him. Um, and the, the funny thing with Quantrill, too, that stood out to me, Ralph, is I read a bunch of reports on him. The scouting grades for him always seem to tick above where the actual production ends up. Yeah. You know? And it's funny because yeah. that's the opposite for Lucchese. For Lucchese, the, the, the statistics have been fantastic everywhere. But you look at the scouting reports and everyone's like, yeah, it's a bunch of average pitches, you know? Like, they don't really see that six or seven pitch. And it's funny. Like, you, you see this a lot. I always, I, I love guys like this who are a little more volatile. And I like sticking with guys who maybe don't have the production to match what the scouts are saying. Because, you know, the scouts most of the time have some really, mm. really interesting opinions. And I, I like keeping an eye on guys who are a little more, like, you know, you look at guys like Victor Robles who are, like, touted unbelievably and then have the stats to back it up. And then you look at other guys and you don't get that. And I just love the variance between I think that's one of my favorite things in terms of prospects. So what are your thoughts on Quantrill and any other guys you had kind of in this 5-10 to 10 window? Yeah, sure. And uh, I'll, I'll just mention what, what my uh, my next five were. So I sure. had uh, uh, Adrian Morejon at five. Yeah, I could get into him. Mm-hmm. I had uh, Arias at six, who I love and has had – Good production, especially yeah, when he gets you're to a big fan. You turn me on to him. Full, yeah. full, full season. Uh, another teammate of his in Fort Wayne, which is uh, Estori Ruiz. Another teammate of his in Fort Wayne, uh, Jesion <laughs> Rosario. And then Cal Quantrill, nine. And then another teammate in Fort Wayne, Tirso Ornealis, who is three for four tonight. So it has already hit a homer, and he's another young, talented Mexican player that uh, that the Padres signed a few years ago. So I am really interested to why now you had Lucchese and Quantrill before Morihan, and I yeah. am interested to hear why because mm-hmm. you saw Morihan. I did, yeah. He's, if I'm not mistaken, he's actually your Twitter header. He is, and yeah. <laughs> I am a big fan of his, and the reason I like him so much is not only does he have some good breaking balls, he's got some velocity in the fastball, mostly 92, 94. He could pop 95, 96 on occasion, but mostly 92 to 94 is where he sits. Good control. This guy has two change-ups. One of them is a change-up is really almost a breaking pitch, which is that knuckle change that you were sort of talking about before, similar to Lucchese. His stuff is nasty. If you go on, I know in my top 100, I didn't even write a blurb. I just posted a gif that uh, Cusiola had taken, a video that Cusiola had taken, of uh, him getting a swinging strike from Cole Enright of the Rangers, Rangers middle infield prospect, or excuse me, corner infield prospect, falling on his ass swinging at the knuckle changeup. The pitch is disgusting. It is filthy, vomit-inducing, nasty. And he throws a little bit more of a straight changeup that throws some people off because it looks sort of like a breaking ball when it comes out of his hand. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he throws a curveball as well. And like I said, he's got the fastball. I think his stuff is great. He's so young. He's, what, 20 years old? And he's so advanced already in terms of his feel and everything else that's there. I don't know. Maybe you don't think he has. Maybe you think he's maxed out. Lefty. I, no, no, I, just, I don't think he's maxed out. I don't know. Like I, I for me, like as much as I like Lucchese and as much as I like Quantrill, it's easy to put Morihan above the two of them. Oh, and I, I know think Baseball easy, America. Yeah. I think I think Baseball America had Quantrill over Morihan too. Mm-hmm. But to me, um, Morihan is is easy. The number five for me in the system. Interesting. Yeah. I. I mean, I saw him live. I. I just that was one of the. I don't know. I love when I went out and saw the tin caps, honestly. So that's why I think I had that up there. Just because I got really, really good shots with his mechanics. There's, they have their pen like right along the side of yeah. the railing. So like when their starters go to warm up, like you can literally stand five feet from them if you wait a little bit. And I got some awesome looks at Marejan. But um, I think 
my reservation with him is just where the upside is. I don't know if it's 2-1 upside. And if I'm waiting on a guy that's this young, I want to see some of that come through. And I think that's maybe where my reservation is. And again, I said that you can mix up Lucchese, Quantrill, Espinosa. You can mix these up in any way. They're very, very close for me. I'm just ranking Lucchese first because we have it at the major league level right now. Quantrill is a little okay. more advanced. I'm basically almost ranking them in terms of where I see them hitting the major leagues and their timing, which is, which is understandable in terms of pitching prospect. For, for like dynasty leagues, maybe you want to go more towards the guy who's crazy upset. I think, I honestly, I think the biggest upside on this list aside from Mackenzie Gore here in terms of pitcher is Anderson Espinoza. If he comes back and his video yeah. is there and you, you have basically oh, yeah. what's been tagged as three, like 70 grade pitches, which you just never see. Like when he was on the Sox and when he came over to the, to the Padres that first, I think he had like one start there before he went down with TJ. Um, you, you, they were grading his pitches out at 70. Like his changeup, his curve, yeah. his fastball, all 70. And that is just bonkers but the, the it's gonna be a long road back for him but Morejon I saw live it's a really quiet delivery it's easy he's not doesn't throw super super hard I think he sits probably more like 92 93 94 he's probably where he tops out at 94 but um I just think the, there's going to be a lot of time with Morejon in terms of his development and I know he's already at high a he didn't look too too good I don't think I only think he threw three and two thirds his walks were kind of out of sync um and I might be a little bit jaded, Ralph, by the fact that I literally saw the worst start of his career. If you look at his game log last year, it was like six innings, six Ks, two hits all the way. And then you'll see this one start where he went, he was at home against the Dodgers. He went like two and a third and gave up like eight runs. And that was, of course, the game I was at. So I, it might be small sample size projection for me. I really like his mechanics. I think he's super clean. I'm probably a little bit more bearish on the upside i think that's the biggest thing for me and i'm in in the, the upside in the time how much time it's going to take for this kid to get through because he's so young i think they're going to do a lot of polishing with him i don't think he's going to move quick at all i think he sticks in a high a for a while if we're lucky we get him in san antonio by the end of the year but i mean they're going to take their time with this kid and uh i like him i'm not knocking him at all i just think for some reason i'm putting some other guys above him and i don't know that's just an impression thing for me i guess in terms of what i saw and and everything but I mean, I, 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 again, want to say, like, these guys are unbelievable. All four of these arms here, these top arms we're talking about, are just so much fun to look at. Like, even Michelle Bison Gore, who we consider both, I think, in the tier above. Like, they're in the tier above, but then, like, I love this pitching core. Like, this core of pitchers is so much fun to look at. Like, I just, I am blown away by the, by the depth that this team has, honestly, Ralph. Um, I don't know if you have any more thoughts on Espinosa or any of those guys, or we could jump into maybe Arias and Naylor quick. Yeah, I wanted to jump. I wanted to jump into Gabriel Arias, who so far this season playing a full season ball. We saw what this guy's exploits were in the Australian League over the course of the winter. Great defense, cannon, I absolute howitzer for an arm. So he's going to stay at shortstop. We saw the burgeoning, developing power that held true through seven games here in the med, med the frigid. Midwest League at that, which is not an easy place to hit for power, especially when you're an 18-year-old. And this kid just turned 18 at the end of February. I want to make make a point out of that. He's already had three multi-hit games out of seven games thus far. He's hit safely in four out of seven. Um, had a two-double game uh, back on Monday or Tuesday night. Um, so. You know, he's he's hitting relatively well. Uh, you know, he's still raw as hell. But the fact that, you know, he's holding his own in a tough environment, hitting for some power in a really cold environment, um, pressure, eyes are on him, and he's showing up at 18. 
I think the sky is the limit here. There is definitely uh, going to be some question as to, you know, what the ceiling is, because I don't know how much speed he necessarily has. He's going to have to sure. hit for 25 homer power. We could be talking about a power hitting middle infield, you know, surefire shortstop that if his hit tool continues to develop and he can maybe become like a 280, 25 homer guy, he's a star. And I really like Arias, and I love the power projection. You see it in his, his batting practice tape. We've gotten some of that stuff early from spring. And then here thus far in the minors, there's some tape that's already popped up on YouTube. And I like the fact that he's driving the ball. He's already got four doubles, I think, in, in a short period of time. And he's putting the bat on the ball, and he's young and playing some good shortstop. And a lot of it's projection for me with, with Arias. But yeah, he's young. I, I just think he's so... He's so talented, and there's so much power already for an 18-year-old that's a whiz in the field, you know? Absolutely. No, I agree with that. I think that you're spot on. You, you turn me on to him, and I, I like in terms of what I see, in terms of what they can adjust. I think he swings quiet enough where they can tinker with a little bit and get that carry down even more. Um, yeah, Arias is fun. I have him 9 on my list, Ralph. Um, and then I've, I have Josh Naylor 10, and I think this is just, I don't know, I guess I rank this list just based on floor almost. To some extent, I feel like every guy here I have back, like, and how I have them ranked. Like, Gabriel Ars is probably the exception. Same with Espinosa. Probably two of the guys that I, I think I like in terms of volatility the most because the upside there is insane. But, uh, but Naylor 10, I have Franchi Cordero 11, Allen 12, Lauer 13. Then you start to get into some other interesting pieces here. I have Ornelas a little lower, so I'm going to kick it back to you in a sec to talk about Ornelas a little bit. Um, sure. Because I'm interested in kind of your take on him. But Naylor I'm going to do, me- do the Fort Wayne trio to shorten it up a little bit deal no no problem at all josh Naylor for me is just again a high floor bat here i know a lot of people hate the body but he's off to a, a really hot start um i think he's got three home runs to start the year i don't remember what levels he's at i think he might be up in i don't know if he's san antonio or triple a he's double a AA, so he's in san antonio solid so he's got three home runs and this is kind of going to be one of those bats where he hits everywhere with a fantastic approach he's gonna he, the bat is good enough to play at a corner or I, I think they get the major league level. Okay, it's just a matter of the mobility side and the defense side that I think a lot of people are a little bit concerned with. But he, to me, feels like a guy who's going to be perpetually overlooked. And then in fantasy leagues, he's going to be a guy everyone wants because he's not going to K a ton. He's going to be in the lineup a lot. He's going to be hitting for power. I like him. I like him a lot. I don't know what it is. I like his brother, too, who's coming up in this draft. Um, he's a catcher, uh, too, Noah right? Naylor. He's a catcher. Yeah, he's a second-round guy. I, I, there's some people up in up in Canada that I know are super, super, super high on him. (laughs) But, uh, but this is the brother much different in terms of tools wise. They're both lefties, but Josh Naylor is probably just one of those guys that I think I just like from the hit tools perspective. And I think people are just kind of artificially low on him for some reason. I've seen him super, super low on some lists, but I have him. It's easy to defend him. I have him 17 on my Padres list, but honestly, it's because I love, all these guys that are in front of him. I I still really like Josh Naylor and he's bashing the ball right now. He's mashing. Naylor on like every other list ends up like top seven, probably. You know, but this list is so goddamn deep. It's just you just don't know where to put him. Like the difference between ten and seventeen uh, between our list, Ralph, is like the the closest of any other list. I would say mm. it's it's by far. It's like maybe the Yankees one comes close in terms of how deep it is. But this man, tell me about Terso. I want to hear a little bit about. Yeah, Terso. so Terso is to, to me just an absolute mashing left-handed power bat, prototypical first base guy. You know, like uh, the next Adrian Gonzalez type, you know, where it's just like there's hit tool there. There's contact there. Uh, a lot of doubles, a lot of homers. 
and he's just your four hitter for a decade. I just think that's the kind of guy he is quick hands, powerful wrists, uh, good bat speed gets around. Well, drives the ball to all fields. I really like Terso. I think this guy's going to blow up. He was three for four tonight. He's already had a homer. It's like this call them. I call them Terso taters. He's really interesting. I love this Fort <laughs> Wayne team. They also have uh, Estori Ruiz, who I mentioned, who's a really good hit tool guy. Excellent, badass little swing. He's got a lot of power. Uh, not really fast, but an excellent instinctive runner and base stealer. He's always going to steal bases because of that. Jesseon Rosario is an athletic freak. This guy is a five-tool type of player. Could be uh, a dynamic leadoff hitter with power and speed if it all comes together there. But there's some some sort of hothead issues. That's my quick synopsis on why I love all those Fort Wayne guys. Um, also have Hudson Potts in this list. I have 15, like yeah, him a Hudson's lot. Chris Paddock is going to be maybe the comeback player of the minor leagues this year. Huge strikeout guy. They stole him from the, from the Marlins. He was just starting to come on and came, had TJ right when he got into the organization. He could bounce back huge. Jorge Ona is a guy that, uh, ah, you know, was, he was out and I saw him in, uh, yep. Fort Wayne last he, year. He had yeah. to shake the rust off big Cuban uh, power prospect and his U 15 exploits in mm-hmm. the world cup were unbelievable. Legendary. Uh, Lupus Campusano, who had a homer tonight for Fort Wayne, another really interesting guy. Ugwe Rosario is a great hit tool mid or infielder that they have that a lot of people are sleeping on. Jacob Nix is a good pitcher. Andres Munez and Trey Wingenter are going to be back into the bullpen arms. Eric Lauer is a guy that uh, helped my former co-host love. Huge control, command guy. Uh, Mason Thompson, Michael Geddes, who I know you like, Jordan Barley. That's sort of the rest of my list. I want to go through here because I know we have to wrap up before we uh, yeah. reach our time limit and turn into a podcast. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> my, my timing here with my, my um, the ability to export because I record is short. Uh, but uh, I, also love we Lo- got a couple I also love Logan Allen. I had him 12. I think that Logan Allen could turn out to be one of the best pitchers in this, in this, uh, in this organization. Love the fastball. He's a, he's a guy that they stole from the Red Sox, and I was very sad the day that he got included in that trade. Always kind of wished that he didn't, <laughs> thought it was not necessary. Uh, good fastball, really good changeup. He's got a good curveball as well, um, and high in projection. I think he ended up getting a sign in Double A right out the out the gate. And uh, I'm a big fan of him. I love this organization. I I'm as much a Padres fan at this point as I probably am a Red Sox fan. And over the next five years, it's gonna be really <laughs> fun to follow this core. Lance, I left you all the thoughts on Franchi Cordero because I am not high in him like other people are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you leave me fr- I actually wanted to mention very quickly Logan Allen cool. he's actually really interesting to me because you got a lot of these guys in the system arms wise who are, are very rotational from a mechanics perspective with pitching Logan Allen is actually a really nice back leg drive he, he gets does. on his back leg a lot yeah. and like Gore is the balance because of how beautiful his mechanics are but a lot of the other guys are really really rotational and Allen has a little bit of that back leg drive which I think kicks up the veal a little bit I think I'm a little bit bearish on the the change of projection for him but overall in terms of what he can do I think that the floor is pretty nice he actually improved I think he was between Fort Wayne Fort Wayne excuse me Lake Elsinore um he had two nice 60 inning samples that you could look at and everything looked pretty steady over year for him there and uh, I think uh he had a interesting start in San Antonio this year um I think he started in San Antonio I don't think it was too good I think he had four walks in his first start so that's not good but I, I'm not too concerned on that end Eric Lauer again you mentioned super loose on his arm fastball slider guy I like him a bit Franchi Cordero yeah, he's an interesting one. I have him, I think I had him, let me check really quick. I had him 11. Um, and I think that's probably relatively similar to what you had him. Maybe you had him a little bit lower. But uh, Franchi is a big swing and miss guy with a lot of pop. 
And I think he was scooped up, and this is more of a redraft thing here, but he was scooped up because he was in cores. I don't really know in terms of how this pop plays up at other levels, but there's speed, there's pop, there's a ton of Ks. I don't really know where the walks end up. Um, he was 17 homers, 15 steals over like 90 games in AAA last year. But the, the K rate is high. He's got a super upright stance, a little funky in the bat. Um, he whips it around, which is where he gets, I think, most of his power from is from that a bit of the coil and how he explodes. So I don't really think there's too much range for that K rate to come down. That probably limits the upside for me. Um, uh, yeah, I think 11's fine for him. He's kind of like a platoony kind of lefty bat. I don't know how he just splits are, but... I wish we could spend another like two hours on this stuff, <laughs> but <laughs> I wish we, could go we may have to like continue it in the next AJ pod. Preller and just work for the work for the pod. Yeah. I love I love this organization, Colin, my man that has the Padres and Raz Thirty. I hope you enjoyed uh-huh, this. Yeah, Raz Thirty. Yeah, yeah. Lance, I'm going to tell <laughs> people all your they can find me. I'm going to kick it back to you and let you end the show yeah. tonight. Prospect Jesus on Twitter, doing my my prospect write ups on Sunday. Maybe put some stuff out during the week as well. Did a pitching profile on Matt Harvey where I found uh, nothing all that interesting about Matt Harvey. Not that good. <laughs> I don't think it'll be as bad as last season. I know some people were like, well, that's earth shattering. Well, sometimes you do the work and you dig in and you don't find anything all that different. Your hypothesis is exactly what you thought it would be. So uh, that's sort of yeah, what happened that's... there. We should be back with some baseball shows with Andy Singleton in the next week or two. I've just had some crazy stuff with family, vacation, all that sort of stuff. Uh, follow me, follow my work, come and ask me baseball questions. Always glad to talk. Try to catch me at some parks. I'll be tweeting out where I'm going over the next couple of days, weeks, years. Lance, what do you want to say? <laughs> at Lance Brosnan on Twitter, I'll let you guys go. Um, I, I might even want to try to continue this Padres talk next week if the system isn't as good that we're talking about. But we're going to stitch together these kind of MILB St. recaps Louis. with the, the end of the team card? preview. Oh, St. Louis. All right, we, we will have to stay on the Cardinals then. Uh, I'm a Cardinal fan here, so uh, – Thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, rotoware.com, rasable.com. Me and Ralph are always right in there. Take care. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232.